0: Jesus Christ set aside His Godhead. in here I pray that your health is well physically as well as spiritually and I can't do much for you physically this morning other than pump you with uh, carbohydrates and and caffeine but I can deal with some spiritual health issues and that's what I'd like to do so uh, understanding baptisms out of the way let's talk today and finish the lesson we started last week on spiritual living spiritual living now there's a judge up in dallas named ed kincaid oh yada bless your heart yada just brought us up some chicken or no it's beef and rice and almonds and it's really good class dismissed (laughs) um uh the there's a judge up in dallas and i've tried a number of cases in his court gotten to know him over the last 10 plus years he uh, uh, is a Baylor undergrad and a Baylor uh, law school grad still teaches at Baylor law school his uh, father is uh, or was he's passed away now was the pastor of the First Baptist Church at Irving for decades that's where jared richardson is now if you're jared richards from our church who went up there to pastor that church judge kincaid is still a, a deacon in that church and and he's just a marvelous godly man uh and and i say that with him having chewed me out on more than one occasion uh, because uh he's 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 not just a christian he's also a judge and and it's been a, a, a marvelous opportunity for me to get to practice in his court. But one day we were talking about people and, and how what it means to be led by the Spirit. And he says that uh, occasionally he'll have someone come to him and they'll say to him, you know, the Spirit told me to do this and this. And he's listening to it and he's thinking, that's not the Spirit and he says and I just look at him and I tell him are you sure that's the spirit and not just a bad burrito you had for dinner and I really like that because how do we live spiritually what does that mean what is spiritual living and I want you to think of that question what is spiritual living in light of some scriptures that I'm just gonna throw up from the book of Romans. Paul says in the book of Romans, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. I mean, this idea of the Holy Spirit is given to us. Now, I talked last week a little bit. About how in the Old Testament God would selectively give his Holy Spirit but the promise from the Old Testament prophet Joel was that a day was coming when God's Spirit would pour out on all not selectively and so Jesus said if you're gonna believe in me if you trust me if you're a follower of mine and you put your life in my hands then I will ask the Father and he will send the Holy Spirit to you. And so the Spirit comes into us. And Paul says that God's love is poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Well, what does that mean? How is God's love poured into our heart through the Spirit? That just seems bizarre. Or how about Romans 8, 4? Walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. What does that mean to walk according to the Spirit? I mean, this puts us right back into is that the Spirit or a bad burrito? Look at what Paul says in Romans 8, 14. All who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. All who are led by the Spirit of God. Well, alright, I walk by the Spirit. I'm to be led by the Spirit what does that mean look at another passage from Romans this is 8 6 to set the mind on the flesh is death but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace now I'm to walk by the Spirit that's been given to me I'm to uh, 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 be led by the Spirit And if I walk by the Spirit and I'm led by the Spirit and I set my mind on the Spirit, I'm going to have life and shalom, peace. Irones is the Greek word, but it's the same concept, fullness. I, I don't want death. How about this passage out of Romans 8, 5? Those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit what does this mean not just theoretically but practically right now how do I teach led by the Spirit how do I stand up here and share led by the Spirit how do we set our mind on the Spirit then you've got this really cool passage and. In Romans 7 6 where Paul says we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not the old way of the written code now that's a little bit of a key that helps us unlock a little of what we're saying this is where last week I talked about the fact that we're living the prophecy out of Jeremiah 31 where God promised through the prophet Jeremiah, behold, the days are coming. We're living in those days, declares the Lord. When I'll make a new agreement, covenant, with the house of Israel, those are the people of God, and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers, when I took them by the hand and brought them out of Egypt. That's the Old Testament covenant of law. And God says there's going to be a day coming, and and, and, and he's, he's saying this through the prophet Jeremiah. Now Jeremiah is prophesying about the life for the people of God who broke the covenant, who broke the law. Not once, not twice, but incessantly. who who had lives of idolatry, who had lives of of pumping themselves up at the expense of others, who changed justice from a a legal word into a mockery, justice for the few, not for everyone, Who, who, who turned the law into nothing at all, And so, those people who had disregarded the law, and as a result, Jeremiah says, You're going into captivity. You'll be conquered. If you're not going to follow the Lord, He's not going to protect you. You will not make a laughing stock out of God. So, judgment's going to come on you. That's the prophet. That prophet who says judgment's coming on you because you didn't keep the covenant says God's going to make a new covenant that's not like the one that you broke. Even though I was your husband. This covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel after those days declares the Lord. I'll put my law within them. Not a written code that Moses brings down from Sinai on stone but something that's within and that's what he says I'll write it on their hearts Lev, the the Hebrew word for heart that 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 is the organ of the heart but we associate it in 21st century Western civilization with your feelings not so in the Hebrew in the Hebrew they associated the heart with your what we call your mind thinking Okay. Your, your emotions were your bowels, you know. Uh, you feel it in your gut, but you think it in your heart, that type of thing. So he says, I'm going to write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and say, know the Lord because they're all gonna know me from the least of them to the greatest this is something that the Spirit is going to pour out on everybody it's not a singular anointing for the king or for the priest or for the prophet and this is a time where God's gonna forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more we live in that time that's the reason Paul can say We serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. So if that's the the helping us unlock a little bit of this, we get to the life question. How do we live each day? What what is life about? Now when, when, when the people of God were living under the written code, it was a lot easier to answer that question. If you want to know what to do today you just look at the code there's going to be a list of do's and a list of don'ts do these things sacrifice tithe um, uh, love your neighbor uh, you know uh, administer courts justly uh, don't wear you know, and then you got your don'ts don't wear clothes of mixed fibers don't unequally yoke a, a, an ox to a donkey to plow the field. You, you, you got, don't commit murder, don't commit adultery, don't worship idols. You got a list of do's and you got a list of don'ts. And you do that, and then the rest of your time's your own. After that, it's like free time. What do you eat for lunch? Well, it doesn't matter as long as it's kosher pick anything you want well what are you gonna do for the rest of the day well as long as I don't do any of the don'ts I've done the do's I need to do today so I can watch TV I'm easy I got free time I do anything I want I mean life is lived within the confines of some do's and some don'ts and as long as you're taking care of those 638 or however many they parsed it down to commands life seems good now you take that away though and the waters start getting kind of muddy wait a minute I don't live under that list of do's and don'ts does that make everything free time is it now a free-for-all I can do anything I want my sins have been forgiven yee-haw fella Back in the days, uh, the, the Catholic Church back in the days of Luther sold uh, indulgences. It's one of the things that Luther got so upset about. Catholic Church, you go to your priest, say, I've committed this sin. And priest could say, all right, that's going to be $1.95. Well, if it's a big sin, that might be a $10 sin. I'm making up the price. But the indulgences, okay, well, you've got to go say a bunch of Hail Marys. This idea of, of you pay a price for the sins you commit. This fellow went to the priest. He said, I'm going to commit a sin tonight, and uh, I'd, I'd like to pay for it ahead of time. <laughs> the priest said, well, my son, what are you going to do? And he says, it's terrible. It's it's really, really bad. He said, well, what is it? I, I'm not going to tell you, but let, just assess the most horrendous fine you can figure I'm not going to kill anybody but next to that you figure it's about as bad as it gets and the priest says okay man that's going to be like ten thousand dollars you sure you want to commit that crime or that sin the Fellow said yes yes father I do and he gives the priest ten thousand dollars and then later that night, the fellow committed his sin. He went and robbed the church of all of the money, he got his $10,000 back and everything else. I mean, is that what life becomes, a free-for-all, where we prepaid, we get it all back? No. Absolutely not. Make a Paul says it that way in, in uh, Romans and Galatians. Meganoito no absolutely not now what what Paul then does is recognizing that we don't have that list of do's and don'ts we're not under this written code it's not something external it's something that's internal written on our heart Paul then proceeds to come as close as one can to telling us how to live but it's not a list Now, last week, I started talking about this, and I put it into three sections, the first being the daily life, and then I ran out of time, so we didn't get to the spirit and flesh explained, and we didn't get to the evidence of it. In the process since last week, several of you bold people sent me an email, recognizing I have pledged to never publishing your emails and tearing them apart again, which I did once recently and probably uh, destroyed uh, anybody's desire to email me. Um, But I'm not doing that. I got some great emails with some great questions that have helped me sharpen some of what I want to say. So I'm not going to repeat last week's class because we won't have time for this week's additional material. But I do want to make sure that we're on the same page. So last week in quick review, you can watch it on the internet in detail. Galatians 5.16 says walk by the Spirit and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Now Paul writes that in Greek in a triple attention manner to really draw your attention to that passage. And because of that we unpacked it last week and walk by the Spirit is actually the first word Paul says after Lego day. But, but I say and he starts out with spirit, pneumati in the dative case by the spirit pneumati by the spirit walk now spirit pneuma is a greek word that that could indicate the human spirit or god's holy spirit the human spirit is the immaterial part of the inner person that can respond to god And God gives us his spirit, and that's where his spirit dwells. So we've got inside of us, in a sense, we've got an ability to fellowship, to to sense, and to respond to God. And God sends his spirit down. And you'll hear some of this from Pastor Jarrett next hour. But God's spirit works in us, in our spirit, to convict us of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, John 16, and other things like that. So this is the spirit. And Paul says, spirit, by the spirit walk. And, and this echoes a passage out of Romans 8, 16, where Paul says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of god this is how god speaks to us now he doesn't speak to us only in the sense of this inner voice but remember all scripture is inspired by god it's breathed out by god all scripture is god spirited we could look at it in the Greek. God's Spirit produces Scripture. And so when we read Scripture, we're also being led by the Spirit who produced the Scripture. Um, uh, my buddy over here sends me about two or three times a week a little snippet of a devotional that that's uh, by a guy named Joel Chernoff a Jewish fella up in uh, Philadelphia, a Messianic Jewish fella who does a daily nosh. And, and it's a wonderful way of daily just being in the Scripture. And that's being led by the Spirit. Uh, um, young lady uh, over there with uh, the, yeah, you, Lorraine, don't look behind you. That's a fellow behind you. The young lady over there sends me a devotional passage each day that's got a scripture and and a a little statement about the scripture And, and, and Lorraine even attaches a song to it but that's being led by the spirit so the spirit is not simply something inside but it's also the spirit has produced God's word but God's word communicates within our spirit and so Paul says walk Peripeteo is the Greek word for walk Peripeteo means to 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 live to move about to let your daily life be one where you're walking about by the Spirit and so this idea of walking by the Spirit is in in another uh, 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 an easy way to to say and to understand this is Paul in essence is saying I say Conduct by the Spirit, conduct your life. So it's not the list of do's and don'ts, but by the Spirit, conduct your life. And he then adds, You won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Now he says, And, but the first word in the Greek with the and is desires. So it says, But I say, By the Spirit, conduct your life, and desires of the flesh. You won't bring to completion. Desires are deep cravings. They can be good. They can be bad. But it's a deep craving. He's talking about bad ones here. The desires of the flesh. The desires of that base human. The desires to do things that are wrong. Have you ever noticed that you need to teach children to obey? But they... They can disobey all on their own they really don't have to be taught that that's just like innate they are very gifted and talented at that all on their own you've got to teach them to obey you know, the desires of the fallen human won't be brought to completion the flesh the fallen human won't be brought to completion that's the not uh, let's get back bah, 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 bah. let me get to this slide there teleo the um, is the last word here Telecite. Um it's it's the idea of of bringing it to perfection or conclusion or completion and 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 that that's what you won't do if you're walking spiritually if you walk by the spirit doesn't mean you won't have desires of the flesh. And if you bring those desires of the flesh to a completion, does that mean that you're not a believer? No. It means you weren't walking by the Spirit when you did it. And so that's a time of repentance and confession and work. But that's the idea here. So Paul's saying, by the Spirit, conduct your life and you won't complete the lusts of the baser part of your nature. That was last week. Now let's go into a little bit more about this, which is where Paul explains this difference between spirit and flesh in the next few verses. Paul says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. Now, again, he's using that same word for desires, the deep cravings. So he says the flesh's deep cravings are pneumatos. They're against the spirit. They're against the spirit of God and they're against your spirit when you're led by the spirit of God. Because the spirit of God indwells within you and that is part of you. And so Paul says, the desires of the flesh, what that baser part of your nature, that's against the desires of the Spirit. Now, the word desires is not used again. But it just says, it are against the Spirit, and it's implied. Um, and the pneuma, the Spirit, is against the flesh. That's the next. So the Spirit, the desires of the Spirit... They're against that baser part of humanity. There's a struggle going on is what Paul's saying. Paul's saying there's a conflict between the old part of you and the spirit-filled part of you. And they're diametrically opposed to each other. I mean, it's, it's in this corner is the flesh. That fallen human nature that you were born with that is under a curse and in this corner is the spirit that God-given presence in your life that confirms for you that you're not going to be ruled and live by that old self anymore they're diametrically opposed to each other And Paul says, if you're led by the, well, keep it up here. The desires of, uh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, we've got the benefit of something that Paul didn't have. We've got the benefit of 21st century scientific understanding of how your brain works. Your brain, I'm about to, you're going to say, Lanier, you're a lawyer with a degree in Greek and Hebrew. What are you up there doing teaching us about the brain? You don't know diddly squat about the brain. Well, I may not, but I've met a lot of people who do. And I stayed in a Holiday Inn. <laughs> um, now, I have spent a lot of time studying the neuroscience associated with learning. It's it's a um, part of what I do, and it's um, it's a fascinating hobby. And I've also had the great benefit of reading a lot of uh, neuroscience uh, textbooks and other books to understand how the brain works. I've dealt with a lot of expert witnesses over the last thirty-seven years who have worked with me through all of this. And one of the best understanding models that I've seen is this idea that if you took a bowl and inside that bowl, you put a scoop of ice cream. that happens to be strawberry ice cream, which is pretty good. Um, Hold on, let's try and make this look like a bowl all right that's a bowl of strawberry ice cream you got it now let's go a step further let's take some hot fudge sauce and let's put that hot fudge sauce here's a spoon so we're going to take that hot fudge sauce and a spoon and we're going to take that hot i don't have a brown so that ours is kind of a butterscotchy fudge but we got a bunch of that hot fudge and we're going to pour it down onto the ice cream you got it now this is your brain and your brain has certain ridges and and things and when when you pour in this analogy your brain does I mean it does anyway but when you pour that sauce down, does it go evenly all over the the ice cream scoop? No. It'll follow those little rivulets and little areas and it'll go down like that. These are the way we think. We have thinking patterns in our brain. Many of them, most of them are unconscious, unconscious thinking patterns. And our brain does this magic of association where we hear something and our brain immediately starts associating it with our rivulet, with our little channel that's taking the sauce. And, and so we hear a word and we start thinking of things that that word can trigger. And it can even trigger emotions and, and, and memories and things like that. That's the way our brain works. Now, when we have fed our brains garbage, and, and, and let me use a, a simple example that probably pertains to many of us here. We have a problem and a stress in life where the solution is eating comfort food comfort food by definition is something that makes us feel better one of my daughters called me one time she said dad uh was in law school dad i just don't feel like i'm going to finish law school i don't think i'm cut out for this i can't do it i don't i I can't study i I can't learn it this is horrible and i'm thinking this daughter is so talented and gifted she's going to be brilliant she's going to do great but she's telling me this on the phone I don't know what to do dad I don't even know how to go to class tomorrow I have just I, I just need to quit and I said honey I said first of all I said what was the last time you ate I can't eat dad I said okay well, we're gonna stop right now I want you to go get a piece of chocolate she said what I said trust me eat some chocolate you eat some chocolate you're gonna feel better and then we're gonna talk about the problem she 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 goes and gets chocolate, eats some chocolate. She comes back because she's eating the chocolate. Okay, I'm eating chocolate. I said, "Give it about three more minutes.". <laughs> Our brains are set up in such a way where that chocolate and the chemicals in that chocolate, not just the sugar, but the other chemicals, are hitting that brain, and they're going to make that brain think differently and react differently it's just the way it goes and we've got foods that are associated with certain memories and certain feelings and when we eat that we feel differently we can think differently and all the rest now we understand science paul just was writing inspired by the holy spirit but understanding science makes a whole lot of sense of what the holy spirit was saying through paul if you want to put a bunch of Junk in your brain if you want to feed your brain pornography don't think for a moment that it won't affect the way you treat sexuality if you want to feed your brain lies and deception don't think for a moment it won't affect the way you live in truth these associations happen in your brain and they will affect you unconsciously subconsciously and so what Paul is saying he he says it bluntly in Romans where he says to renew your minds as spiritual worship God is saying I want to rewire your brain your brain is naturally walking by fallenness Let's rewire it to walk by the Spirit. And that's what Paul is saying here. The desires of the two are against each other. Now, understand though, if you're led by the Spirit, it's not simply this law that you're following. It's not just a list of do's and don'ts. Look, I'm a lawyer. You give me a list of do's and don'ts, I can find a way around them. You give me a list of do's and don'ts, I'll figure I, I, I have to tell several of my lawyers fairly frequently, I need you to find a way we can do this. And they come back to me and say, You can't do that. I said, No. I need you to find a way we can do it. Figure it out. The law is something that's there, but if, if the law doesn't seem to work in our favor. And we have a just cause. We've got a legit, look, we, we've got a, a situation where we, we and, and Rick and I were talking about this this morning. We've got a fellow who came to us and said, um, I got a client who was killed in a terrorist attack in, um, um, I think this one was in Paris, or no, Germany. It, was, it may have been that Christmas market a- attack. And we've got evidence, we believe, that the terrorists were using Facebook to communicate to time the attack and to do all of this kind of stuff. And Facebook is being used by all these different terrorist groups, and we've got evidence that it is. And we want you, on behalf of one of the people who died who happens to be from Texas, we want you to shut down Facebook. And we look at it and we say, well, Facebook's got to get out of jail free card. The law's written in a way where you can't touch them. Okay, I, I hear that, but we have a just cause. So figure out how we're going to do it anyway. You know, the, the, look, you give, you give a lawyer the law and you'll figure out a way around it. Now, that can be for a good thing, which is, I hope, what we do as lawyers. But it can be for a bad thing, too the heart is deceitful above all things I can rationalize almost any sin you give me a shot at it I can rationalize it away I can justify behavior that is no way right and that's what the flesh does Now, Robert Jewett wrote a book, Paul's Anthropological Terms, and he said, the flesh is Paul's term for everything aside from God in which one places his final trust. And if I'm going to put my final trust in doing a list of do's and don'ts instead of living right before God, then I can rationalize anything. Now, if we're led by the Spirit, though, I'm not under that list of do's and don'ts. But I'm still in this situation that you see like in Romans 7, 7 through 8. Here's what it says. Paul says, if, I had not, if it had not been for the law, I wouldn't have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet the word covet is epithemia. It's that same word as desires of the heart that he was using, in, or desires of the flesh that he was using in Galatians. I would not have known what it was to have those deep desires if the law hadn't said, don't covet epithymia, don't have the deep desires, the bad ones. If the law hadn't said, don't do it, I would not have known sin but when the law says don't have a deep desire for that over there it's like don't think about an elephant and all you do is think about an elephant like don't have that deep desire oh wonder why oh that looks pretty good kind of like to have that deep desire and all of a sudden it's there and Paul says sin seizing an opportunity through the commandment produced in me all kinds of deep desires all kinds of epithemia." Not just, oh, I want what my neighbor wants. But now all of a sudden I've got all of these desires, these these, uh, uh, lusts and cravings. But apart from the law, sin lies dead. Now what is going on here? What does Paul say? Paul understands there's a tension in how we live. He understands what it's like to live where and how we live now. And he explains this in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 5, 5. And actually a little even beyond that. But 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Paul says, don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away. That's uh, an expression for the body that we, we own. And you say, well, mine's not wasting away. Oh, it is. It's just got you tricked. Trust me. Moriarty, where are you? Back there? Moriarty said to me, he says, now, Moriarty, Mike has a morbid sense of humor. Let's just be blunt. If you don't know Mike, get to know him. He can make you laugh, and, and it's very morbid at times. Uh, He's told me he's in the fourth quarter of life. Isn't that what you said one time? He says I'm in the fourth quarter. Then another time he said actually I'm in the the toilet bowl as it's swishing around about to go down. (laughs) Another time he told me Lanier I'm so old my body's so wasted away when I wake up in the morning, and I don't hurt I go (laughs) just to see if I'm alive. Mike will, Mike will, he's going to live another 100 years, so you can enjoy these jokes at your pleasure. But, but Melna, I'm sure, has heard them all. But Mike will, will regale you all day long with these jokes. Paul says, our outer self is wasting away. But our inner self, that part, that immaterial part, that spirit is being renewed day by day. This light momentary affliction, what we're living through right now, is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look to the things that are seen, not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, the things that are unseen are eternal. And we know if the tent, that is our earthly home, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we're still in this tent we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed so what's mortal may be swallowed up by life. And here's his end on this paragraph. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. And this is why we walk by faith and not by sight. That's what Paul understood. We live in a tense time. Because we live in a body that is still fallen, that still has unnatural cravings. We have minds that have been wired through the experience of sin to have a human taste for sin, a human delight in sin. And yet the Spirit of God is within us repulsed by the sin And so we're living in this struggle because God hasn't yet removed the human body and given us the eternal, perfect human body. So we've got the remains of this wiring in our brains and and physical maladies and, and all of the problems associated with this fallen body. And yet, we've got within us the Spirit of God that knows there's more to life, that knows right from wrong, and that knows what we ought to be doing. And so we've got this pressure going on. And it can produce guilt, and it can produce shame, and it can produce bondage. And if you want to know more about that, I urge you to hear Pastor Jarrett next hour because his message has massive implications for what I'm talking about here. He'll be talking about guilt and shame. But but this is the war that goes on within us. Enough said. So let's go to point three. What's the evidence of all of this? What does all of this mean? Well, Paul goes on further and he says, Look, finera is the the word translated um, evident. It means uh, 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 it's something you see. It's something that's that's there, that's made its appearance. So evident are the works of the flesh. The works of the flesh are evident. But he starts out evident. Because that's the word of emphasis in this sentence. We, we just, our translators put it into common English, but, but we lose the emphasis of the Greek. The Greek starts out, Paul just says it. Phenera, evident, obvious, no-brainer, apparent, you can see it, are the works of the flesh. And then he starts listing them. Atina, estin, pornea. Uh, Pornea is um, sexual immorality. Uh, We get the word pornography from it. The works of the flesh are evident. It's sexual immorality. It's impurity. It's sensuality. It's idolatry. Idolatry at its root is trusting in something over God. See, uh, idolatry is not simply um, I'm going to worship at the marvelous food that yada made me. I'm going to put it on a pedestal and I'm going to bow down to it and worship to it. No, that, that's not... That, I mean, yeah, that would be idolatry. But that, that's not the whole thrust of the word. Idolatry in this sense is, is putting my faith my confidence in anything before God so if instead I say this is going to be something that I am confident will take care of me into the exclusion of God as opposed to God's provision for me that would be idolatry idolatry is simply uh, I, I'm gonna trust something more or someone more than I'm gonna trust God and it's a slight little twisted tilt, but Paul says that look, that, that's a gimme. This word, uh, evident, finera. These are gimmies It's a gimme that sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. I like sorcery because the word. Yeah, I highlighted it here. It's the word pharmakeia. Pharmacy comes straight from it <laughs> because back in the earlier days when pharmacy was getting its name, it was like Wild Billy's, you know, cure for whatever ails you type stuff. You know, it's been around since the Middle Ages. The hucksters who go around and say, you know, hey, you, you got an earache? Buy this for five ninety five dollars 95 and rub it on your big toe and it'll solve your earache. Um, you know, it, it, the hucksterism's been around a long time, and so pharmacy uh, originally meant sorcery. <laughs> uh, the the or our word pharmacy comes from it. Um, enmity, enmity, ekthrai is is um, fussiness. I mean, look, enmity, strife not getting along. Some people just don't get along. You ever met anybody like that? I know a fella, he's a lawyer, and he's gotten better at it as God's worked in his life. But man, I knew him 35 years ago and he's about as strife-filled as you'd ever see. And 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 not jealousy. Look, All of these are things that are wired into our brain. But these are works of the flesh. This isn't God's wiring of our brain. And these are things that should be obvious to us. Fits of anger. Well, that's just who I am. Well, it's not who you should be. Well, I have anger issues. I'm so glad you've identified them. Now you can work on them. Well, I've tried, it hadn't worked. That's not the talk of a godly person led by the Spirit. Rivalries. I, look, I, I, I grow up in a competitive household. I believe there's good reason for competition. But there's rivalries beyond that that aren't works of the flesh. Good competition makes good winners and good losers. Dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. These are gimmies. And things like these. Because these are, this is not an exclusive list. Paul's not making a list of do's and don'ts. He's talking about what you can obviously tell is a work of the flesh. And he says, I warned you before, those who do these things, these aren't those don't inherit the kingdom of God. You say, oh no, I'm going to hell, I have envy. No, that's not what Paul's saying. He's saying, that's not godliness. That's not meant for eternity. That won't go into eternity. That's going to get burned up so don't it's obvious you don't want to be that way he says you want the fruit of the Spirit you want love the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness self-control I don't have self-control but the Spirit will grow it in you see fruit doesn't happen overnight Fruit grows from the inside out. Uh, Marius and Hal are getting baptized today. They've got to get up and go. Um, Pretty stoked. See you guys in a little bit. Um, Fruit doesn't happen overnight, fruit is something that, that grows. And it grows from the inside out. And that's what God wants us to have and wants us to be and wants us to do. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It's dead. Now, when it manifests itself in our life, we just need to say it's dead man walking. That's a zombie. But that's dead. So we shouldn't be living in it. We need to work with God and his spirit to rewire our brains. We need to daily transform into the likeness of the image of his son. I don't care if you're 120. God can make you better today than you were yesterday. I don't care how deeply ingrained those habits are or those thoughts are in your bowl of ice cream. God can rechannel the hot sauce. And we need to give him a chance to do that. So points to ponder and we'll go. Let's live by the Spirit. Look for opportunities to grow in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Let's look for chances to grow in that. Let's see God rewire our hearts. Even if we can just make small changes by his Spirit, let's live that's what we do that's spiritual living that's how we decide to walk by the spirit and put to death the flesh these things are against the spirit don't feed the beast because we want to walk by faith and not by sight and trust god for this journey okay let's go to church let me bless you um lord we ask your blessing on everyone who hears this message may your spirit convict us of the truth of who you are and what life you have for us. Rewire our brains, Lord, as your spirit takes control of our life. In the name of Jesus, amen. See you guys next Sunday.